The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. a series right now on the book of James called James, right? And we're talking about uh, how, we're, what we're really doing is we're taking a deep dive into the book of James and discovering truths in this book that's so relevant for the day and age in which we're living in. I'll, I'll talk to you more about that here in just a moment. But if you remember a couple weeks ago, we began this series by talking about enduring in the trials, because that's where James starts off. He says, that when you, when you face these trials, that we're to consider it pure joy. Like he doesn't hold back. He just jumps in. And he talks about the trials of life. And if you remember, we talked about how trials are tests, right? And anytime you have a test, there's always a correct answer that has to be given. That's how you pass a test is you have to give the correct answer. So often when we find ourselves in a season of trial and test, and by the way, when you're in a season of trial and testing, it ain't God that's, that's trying to hurt you. God doesn't make you sick. It's not God laying a burden on you that you can't handle. Uh, we, we, we face these trials because we live in a broken world and a fallen world, but God will use these trials to advance you because that's the goal of God. He wants to move you ahead. He wants to work some stuff out of you. He wants to advance you. But very often what happens is when we find ourselves in that season of trial and that season of test, we find ourselves kind of just staring at the trial, staring at the issue, staring at the problem. Really what God is inviting us to do, what James is talking about, is we need to take our eyes just off the problem, set our eyes on God, and start asking the right questions. God, what are you wanting to do right now? What kind of change are you wanting to take place in my life? What do you want to overthrow in me that needs to be overthrown? And if we'll begin to ask those questions, God will answer us. He'll show us what to do, and he'll advance you. Listen, God's not trying to fail you, but he also won't let you cheat on the test. If he's going to move you ahead, you've got to pass that test. So I encourage you, if you missed that, that first week of the series, make sure you go back and, and listen to it. And uh, I, I got a lot of great feedback from, from people in the church over the past couple weeks on that message. I really believe it will bless you. You can listen on, uh, watch on YouTube. You can listen on our podcast or newsongpeople.com. Today, we're going to continue by looking at the first chapter of James. We're going to look at the end of James but before we do, I want to start off at the beginning of James. I want to go back to verse number one, because there's something that uh, we see in verse, chapter, uh, verse one that helps us to see what God is doing throughout the entire book. Look at this with me. James 1.1, 1, 1, it says, uh, James, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. Notice that these, this book is addressed to a group of people, the people of God, who are scattered. And the people in this book are scattered because of a number of reasons. They're scattered because they're facing oppression. They're, they're scattered because they're facing persecution. Uh, they're facing pressures from outside the church, but they're also facing some, some pressures inside the church. They're, they're dealing with uh, scattering because of differences of opinion. And again, not just outside the church, but, but inside the church as well. They're, they're scattered because of fear. They're scattered... Uh, because of political oppression. They're scattered for all these different reasons. It, it, it's a book addressed to a group of people who are dealing with a lot of the same kind of stuff we're dealing with today. Listen, we're living in a world that's very scattered, aren't we? And there's a lot of, a lot of oppression and a lot of pressures and a lot of opinions out there. And so what God is doing in this book, because listen, James wrote this letter, is really what it was. It was a letter 
but he wrote it inspired by the Spirit of God. This, is, this isn't just James's letter. This is a letter from God. And so what God is doing in this book is he's addressing a group of people who are scattered and he's helping them to, to have some rallying points and, and some truths that they can rally under, they can come together based on that will help them come together and be unified the way they're called to be. And so this book is relevant for us today because in a scattered world, the church needs to be unified. And so we, we see at the end of this chapter, God lifting up this banner, this rallying point that we're to come together, to be united as one, as the people of God under. And that is this. This is what I want to talk to you about today. I want to talk to you about the Word of God today. That's what the end of James chapter 1 is all about. It's about the Word of God. So I'm going to be real upfront with you this morning. I want to talk to you about the Bible today. And my goal is to glorify and honor and lift up the Bible today. I want you to leave today with a new perspective on the Word of God. For you to leave today excited to be able to Get into the Word and open it up and take in the life of God that we find through the Word of God. If that sounds good to you, say amen. amen. Bow your heads, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this day. Thank you for what you're doing in this place. We thank you for your Word. We thank you that we can open up your Word and learn from your Word what you have to say about our life. And so wherever we find ourselves today, no matter how old or young we may be, I pray that you would make this word come alive today. Lord, I thank you for speaking to me this week, laying this message on my heart, helping me to gain this revelation. And I pray that this revelation would be received by our church in a powerful way today. Lord, what we don't know, we pray that you would teach us. What we have not, we pray that you would give us. And what we are not, we pray that you would make us. And we give you all the praise and the glory and the honor for what the fruit that we produced out of this. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. 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 James chapter 1. Look at verse 16 with me. It says, don't be deceived. Someone say deceived. deceived. Say it like you mean it. Deceived. deceived. Don't be deceived. Remember week one, we talked about how the enemy wants to deceive you. He wants to tempt you, right? And one of the things he does is it's kind of like when you go fishing and you put the lure into the water and there's, there's the bait and that looks really good. But behind the bait is, is a hook. And the hook is designed to capture you and to pull you away. This is how the devil works in our life. He wants to lure us so that he can hook us so that he can pull us away. He wants to pull us away from God. He wants to pull us away from, from our purpose. He wants to pull us away from the relationships we're called to walk in. And so, so James starts off, God starts off saying, hey, don't be deceived. Don't get deceived by the enemy. And, and don't get to the point where you're so deceived that you begin to deceive yourself and actually betray yourself and who God's called you to be. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters, he says. Verse 17, every good and perfect gift is from above. If you're taking notes this morning or you got a physical Bible with you, highlight that, write that down, circle that, do something with that, make a point to, to make a note of that. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. Listen, we serve a God who doesn't change. Aren't you grateful that our God doesn't change? He's not wishy-washy. You're not trying to catch God on a good day, you know? You ever had somebody like that? You're just trying to kind of like be careful. You're not sure what you're going to get. You're not, God, that's, not, that's not God. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is stable. You can count on Him in a world that is scattered, in a world that's unstable. We have a stable God that we can count on. Verse 18, He chose to give us birth through the, look at this, 
word of truth. And this is the point of emphasis we're going to see over and over again. This is the, the main theme of this section that we're reading today. It's the word of God, the word of truth. You're going to see that, that emphasized five times throughout these verses. That we may be a kind of first fruits of all he created. Verse 21, therefore get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word, there it is again, planted in you. Notice that the word has to be planted in you. And just so you know, that doesn't just happen. You play a part in that. You have to choose to plant the Word of God in you. Anytime something is planted, when we plant something, we plant it with a goal in mind. When you plant something, you want it to grow and you want it to multiply, right? So when you plant the Word of God in you, what you're doing is you want to plant the Word so the Word can grow in you and it can be multiplied through you. Verse 22, do not merely listen to the Word. There's the Word again. Don't just listen to it. And so deceive yourselves. So notice, you, we talked about don't be deceived. Don't deceive yourself. What's the deception here? The deception is that just listening is enough. It's not enough. It's not enough according to the word. Look at this. Do what it says. Turn the person beside you and say, you got to do it. Anyone who listens to the word, there it is again, but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently, whoever really digs in into the perfect law, again, that's talking about the Word of God, that gives freedom and continues in it. They stay in it. They keep coming back to it. Not forgetting what they have heard, but look, here it is again, but doing it, turn to the other person that you didn't say something to the first time and tell them, hey, you got to do this. It says they will be blessed in what they do. You'll be blessed in what you do. How many of you want to be blessed in what you do? Amen. Lift up your hand if that's you. If your hand ain't going up, what's wrong with you? Don't you want to be blessed? Yeah. Want to be blessed? How many of you want God to bless you in your life? How many of you want the Word of God to bless you in your life? Well, well, James, inspired by the Spirit of God, writing on God's behalf, tells us what it's going to take to receive of the blessing of God. He says the blessing of God comes through the Word of God. If you're taking notes, write that down. The blessing of God comes through the Word of God. But listen, this is big. The blessing of God doesn't come just because you own a Bible. Yeah. And listen, the blessing of God doesn't come just because you read the Bible. The blessing of God comes because of two things that are emphasized in this section. Two things that James really points out to us. Number one is your attitude towards the Bible. The blessing of God happens in your life because you see the Bible the right way. And it, and it also comes because your actions based on the Bible. Your attitude and your actions. If you're going to receive of the blessing of God in your life, if you're going to walk in the blessing of God for your life, if you're going to have the kind of impact that God wants you to have on this world, it's important that you have the right kind of attitude towards the Word. How do you see the Word? How do you see your Bible? And that you have some action based on what the Word of God says. That you're doing some stuff based on what the Word of God says. So this is what I want to help you to see today. So let, let's start off by talking about your attitude. Your attitude. How do you see the Word of God? How, how do, what is the Word of God to you? What's your heart attitude towards the Word of God? You know, it's interesting. James starts off this section where he's talking about 
the power of the word of God in your life and how to be a doer of the word and, and how God doesn't change. He starts off this section where he's emphasizing the importance of the word. He starts it off with this statement. In verse 17, he says, every good and perfect gift is from above. Every good and perfect gift is from above. Now, when, when James says that, like he didn't just say that to kind of jazz up the sentence a little bit. Like, you know, I'll just kind of throw this in. It'll make it. No, no, no. This was intentional. And the thought that he's laying out here is connected to everything else he's getting ready to say. It's kind of like this. Imagine that we're out in the lobby and we're talking and I make a statement to you. I say, man, my wife, Sarah, is amazing. She's, she's so awesome. I love my wife, Sarah. And then I start talking about marriage and how amazing marriage is and how powerful marriage can be and how impactful it can be when God takes two individual people and he joins them together and what the word calls one flesh. You become one flesh spiritually with this other person, the connection that takes place there and, and the kind of relationship you can have and how you can each serve each other and help each other and how powerful that can be and how you discover not only your individual purpose, but your purpose as a couple. And I just go on and on talking about the power and the beautiful uh, nature of marriage. After I just said, my wife, Sarah, sure is amazing. How many know you're going to make a connection between the two there, aren't you? But as I'm talking about how amazing marriage can be, after I say my wife is amazing, I'm saying, hey, my wife, Sarah, is amazing in my marriage. Right. Listen, the same way when, when James says every good gift Every perfect gift is from above. And then he starts talking about the word of God in your life. You can draw a conclusion here. You can connect the two statements together and recognize what James is saying. What God is saying is this. The word of God is a good and perfect gift that has been given to us by God. The word of God is a good and perfect gift that has been given to us by God. You guys need to get a little bit more excited about that. It's a good and perfect gift. Is that how you see it? That's the question. Because, you know, we live in a world today where the Word of God is being questioned like, like never before. But is that really true? We, we, we might say that, but honestly, I don't know that it's true. Because to be real honest with you, the enemy of your life, Satan, the devil, has actually been using this tactic of questioning the Word of God since the very beginning. In fact, the first words that Satan ever used, recorded in Scripture in Genesis 3.1, talking to Eve, trying to deceive her, trying to disconnect her from her relationship with God. He says this to her, did God really say? Notice the first attack that Satan ever brought against mankind, he brought against mankind by trying to get mankind to question, can you really trust the Word of God? Is it really what you think it is? Can you really trust the God behind the word of God. It's a play Satan's been running for a long time, and he's still running this play today. And the reason why is because he recognizes how powerful and impactful a Christian, a believer in Jesus Christ can be when they really grab a hold of the word of God and discover what it can be in their life. He also understands how weak they can be when they don't. He also understands if you don't get into the word, how it can lead to scattering and division and confusion and all sorts of problems. And so he's going to do whatever he can to try to devalue the word of God in your life. And so it's important that we see the word of God the right way. We really recognize what we have in the Bible. 
Okay, so if you're taking notes, write this down. God's word is living and powerful. If you're going to have the right kind of attitude about the word, if you're going to have actions in agreement with the word, then you have to come to recognize that God's word is living and powerful. Look at this verse, Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is, say these next three words with me, living and powerful. There it is. The word of God is living and powerful. Listen, the Bible is unlike any other book that you read. There's a lot of books you can read that can have some good information in them that have been written in creative ways and they can even help you and impact you in life. But very few books do you read where while you're reading them, they're reading you. <laughs> There's only one book that can do that. That's a living book and that's the Word of God. Not only when you read it does it read you, but it reads you to you. And it shows you the things you need to do and the things you need to change and who you really are and what God wants to do in your life. It's a living book, but it's not just living. It's also powerful. There's, there's a power within the Word of God. The Bible says this in 2 Timothy 3.16. It says, all Scripture is God-breathed. It's been breathed. It's the very breath of God is in and contained in the Word of God. Now, if you know anything about the breath of God, God has some powerful breath. And I don't mean that in a negative way. Maybe some of you came across some powerful breath in the, in the meet and greet this morning. But I ain't talking about that. His breath smells good. It's good breath. But it's powerful. In fact, if you study the Word, what you discover is God breathed into this world. It says in the beginning that the world was in this state of chaos. The Spirit of God was hovering over the earth. And then God breathed and He began to speak into this world. And chaos became order because of the breath of God. The breath of God is a powerful, life-giving force. God spoke into a lump of dirt, and it began to breathe, and it was Adam. It was the first man. Take a deep breath this morning. I'll breathe it out. We're breathing of the breath of God. It began with Adam, and it's still happening to this day. Every time you take a breath, you're declaring that God is God. Living and powerful, the breath of God. And, it, and, and the, the Bible is full of that. It's full of the Word of God. It's full of the breath of God. So when you begin to get into the Word and study it and read it and learn what it has to say, you're taking in the very breath of God and it has the ability to be a powerful life-giving force in your life. When, when you begin to take in the Word of God, areas of your life that are in chaos, they begin to come into order. When you begin to take in the breath of God, areas in your life that maybe feel dead, they come to life because of the breath of God. It's a powerful force that God has given us. Look at what it goes on to say here in Hebrews 4.12. The Word of God is living and powerful. It is sharper than a sword that cuts both ways. Both ways. So, so in other words, the Bible is it's a sword in one way. It's like, a, it's like a weapon that we can use against the enemy, but it's also like a tool, like a, like a scalpel that can be used to, to cut away areas and to, to repair things and fix things where areas are broken. It cuts straight into where the soul and the spirit meet. Notice the living aspect of this. It divides them. It cuts into the joints and the bones. Like what other book is doing that? It tells what the heart is thinking about and what it wants to do. It's reading you to you. Somebody say, it's alive. It's alive. It's alive. And it'll mess with you, just so you know. As I'm talking about the word this morning, listen, you get in the word this week, you start studying it, it's going to mess with you. It's going to mess with your emotions. It's going to mess with your attitude. It's going to mess with your issues. And you want it to, just so you know. But it doesn't just mess with them for messing with them's sake. 
No, no, it messes with them so that the change can be brought to those areas that needs to be brought to those areas. But beyond just the change that it shows you you need to make, it also has the power to fulfill the change. See, when you study the Word, you're not just getting the information, you're getting the power to fulfill the information. The Word of God is living and powerful. Can I get an amen? amen. So the question becomes, how do we engage with that in our life? Because maybe you would say today, well, I've been reading my Bible and I don't experience that. Like, I'm not really feeling that. You know, sometimes I'm reading and I just, I fall asleep. It's not hitting like that. It's not landing like that. Well, if it's not, it's probably because you're just not understanding and working it the right way. Okay? So I want to help you see how this works. There's three things that when you're studying the Word, if you want to... If you want to receive of the full blessing that God's word can provide for you in your life, there's three things you need to understand that need to be working together. Faith, revelation, and meditation. Faith, revelation, and meditation. In order to receive something from God, you have to have the faith that you can receive it. In order to receive the faith that you need, you've got to get into the word. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So you need a revelation from the Word so you can have faith in it. In order to get a revelation from the Word, you're going to have to meditate on the Word. Okay, so let me, let me break these down for you. Let's start with faith. Faith is essential to our walk with God. Uh, the Bible says it's a fundamental part of our existence with God. The Bible makes it clear that the people in the Bible who were of great consequence, the people that we, we look at their stories and we study their life that made a big impact, they were people who were willing to walk by faith. We're called to walk by faith and not by sight. Faith is the currency of heaven. Somebody say, faith's a big deal. Faith is a big deal. Now, when you know what faith is, you understand this, that faith means that you're going to have to move there's a doing to this. Faith means you're going to have to move based on your faith. That you're going to, there, there's an action to not just hearing the word. Like, like James says, we don't just merely hear it, but we have to do something with it. That's when we move into the faith realm. You see, it's one thing to say, like, I believe in God and I believe in the word. It's another thing entirely to build your life in faith in action, in movement based on that. That's a whole nother thing. It's one thing to say, I believe in God. It's another thing to say, it's another thing to say because I believe in God, uh, I, I'm going to do something about what the Word says about widows and orphans. Because I believe in God, and the Bible makes it clear, I should be a person who's generous with my life, I'm going to be a giver, I'm going to be a tither. That's another whole thing. It's, a, it's another whole thing to say, I, I, I believe in the word, so I'm going to, the Bible says I should be a servant, so I'm going to serve other people. I can read that and say, man, that's good, that's for somebody. <laughs> or I can read that and say, that's good, that's for me. And I'm going to be a doer of the word and not just a, a hearer of it. Listen, as a, as a Christian, as a follower, and, and, and by the way, let, let's, let me just take you back for a moment here. We're not just trying to make people that just lift their hands and, and escape hell someday. We want to be disciples, right? Fully formed followers of Jesus Christ. That's the goal. So that means, listen, that means we're going to have to walk by faith. That means we're going to have to do stuff that sometimes feels a little uncomfortable to us. Sometimes we're going to have to, I don't know, like Jesus, lay down our life a little bit. Sometimes we're going to have to, there's a doing to this. But listen, our acts of faith put us in a position and empower God to come into our life 
with acts of faithfulness. So, so we're going to be a doer of the word, not just a hearer of the word, but we're going to walk by faith. And that leads us to the second thing, okay? So, so here's the thing. In order to have the faith, you've got to have the word. Because you, you, in order to have a faith to do something, you have to receive a word that you can do something based on. You guys tracking with me? So that leads us to the revelation. If you're taking notes, jot this down. Revelation activates faith. Revelation activates faith. If you want the Bible to come alive and be powerful and life-giving, the blessing it's called to be, you need to get a revelation. Let me say it like this. You've got to have some of those aha moments in the Word of God. Those moments where it jumps off the page. Some of you have experienced that before. You're reading the Bible, and maybe you're reading it for, you know, the thousandth time. The, as my mom would say, the upteenth time. I don't know how many times that is. It's a lot. But you're reading it, and you've read a verse you've read a bunch of times before, but all of a sudden there's something in it you see that you've never seen before, and you, you have that aha moment. Ah, I've never, I've never seen it like that before. I've never thought about it like that before. I, I need to now move based on that. That's the revelation. God wants to give you a revelation in His Word. And the power for the revelation is in the Word. And the power to fulfill the revelation is in the Word. So let me break this down for you, okay? In the New Testament, there are two words for the word, word. Somebody say word. word. Okay, there's two words for the word, word. One is the Greek word logos. And logos is, is the Word of God in its, in its form in the Bible. It's the written Word of God. It's the general, constant, consistent voice of God. So the Bible is full of the voice of God. It's the Word of God. And the Bible is full of a constant, consistent. It's always there. You can always turn to it. And it doesn't change. So that's the concept. That's the logos. And sometimes that's as far as people get. And 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 it is powerful. But God actually wants to take you to another place. There's another word for the word in the word. And it's the word rhema. And rhema means this, it's an instant personal revelation from God. So what takes place is because you're in the logos, you receive from God a rhema, which now it's a personal revelation of what God is saying to you. See, in the word we have a general idea of what God wants us to do, but God wants to give you a more specific understanding of what he wants to do with you and in your life. And that comes when we dig into the logos and get the rhema. There's a beautiful picture of this in Luke chapter 1. There's this little teenage girl, and an angel comes to her. His name's Gabriel, and he says, Girl, it's a big day. You're going to have a baby. And this baby is not just a baby. This is going to be the Son of God. Like, you are blessed, highly favored, get excited. This is good news. And she says, How can this be? For I'm but a virgin. Once you notice verse 34, she, she questions this. And, and, and I want you to see, sometimes I think she, well, okay, so understand this. In verse 34, here's what she has. She has the logos. She's received direction. The angel is bringing to her a word from the Lord, but she doesn't have a revelation of it. She just has the word and she doesn't get it. And so what does she do? She says, how can this be? And I want you to notice that the next verse, the angel doesn't go, how dare you ask me this? Look at me. I'm an angel. I'm glowing. Like, you see these wings? See this robe? How uh, how can you ask me this? Forget you. Forget you. I'll move on. I'll find somebody else. He doesn't do that. 
Listen, I think sometimes we think that if we don't quite understand something and we go to God and we say, God, can, I, can you give me more of a revelation of this that he's going to get mad at us? He's not. That's how you get to the rhema is you have to be willing to ask the questions and say, God, what are you saying here to me? What, what does this mean? What, what does this mean? What's the revelation here for me? And so notice the angel is happy to help her out. He says, the Holy Spirit, verse 35, will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Verse 37, and this is a verse worth highlighting. It says, for no word from God will ever fail. No word from God will ever fail. Say it with me, church. No word from God will ever fail. And the word that the angel Gabriel uses for the word word is the word rhema. Here's what he says. No rhema word that you receive from God, no personal revelation that you receive from God will ever fail you. And I want you to know something, church. What was true for Mary is true for you. If you will get into the logos and ask some questions and dig a little bit deeper, there is a God who wants to give you a revelation of it. And when you receive that personal revelation, listen, it will not fail you. When God showed me a personal revelation of a church he wanted me to plant in this city, he came through for me. He didn't fail me in that. He walked with me in that. He wants to help you. He wants to show you what, what you want to do. So, so, so now Mary has the rhema word. No word will ever fail you. And once she gets the rhema word, she has the faith to see it produced and received and conceived in her life. Verse 38, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word, and she uses the word rhema there, may your word to me be fulfilled. And I believe it's in that very moment that the Son of God, the Savior of all mankind, is conceived within her womb. Why? Because she had faith for it. How did she get faith? She got a revelation because she was willing to move beyond the logos to get to it. And because she was willing to go there, she received something and conceived something of the Lord that was born into this world that changed the world. And listen, God wants to do that in you. I hope you're making the connection. If you're willing to dig into the logos and get the rhema, you'll have the faith so God can birth some stuff in you. You can receive and conceive of what God wants to do and birth it into the world and make a huge impact on the world around you. But it has to come because you say, I'm not going to stop here. I'm going to keep digging. I'm going to keep digging. There's more, and I'm going to get to it. That comes from the revelation. So how do you get the revelation? That leads us to the third thing, and that is meditation. Meditation. If you're taking notes, jot this down. Meditation activates revelation. Meditation activates revelation. Now, before you start thinking we're getting weird up in here, I'm not talking about Eastern meditation, okay? I'm not talking about, you know, the Eastern meditations where you're like emptying your mind of all thoughts and consciousness and all images and crossing your legs and staring at your belly button and humming. That's all I'm talking about. <laughs> We're talking about biblical meditation. Biblical meditation is the opposite of that. Biblical meditation is when you take a God thought from the Word and you begin to go over it over and over again so that you can get the full flavor of what God is saying in it. And this is a powerful thing that we need to be actively doing in our life. Uh, Psalm 1, verse 3, or Psalm 1, 1 through 3 says this, bless. Everybody say blessed. blessed. We're talking about the blessing of God, right? We're talking about walking in the blessing of the word of God. 
Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. That's talking about the Bible. And in his law, in the Bible, he meditates day and night. Day and night. All the time. That's what that means. Not just every once in a while at church. Not just, oh man, I, I got a pain in my body. I better get into the Word and do this right now. And when this is over, then I'll, I'll quit. No, day and night. We need to be people that are meditating, thinking about the Word of God. That's how we get the full flavor of the Word in our life. The best way I know how to describe this is, is kind of like you're brewing tea. Anybody in here like tea? Yeah, some of you like tea. I'm not, I, I like unsweet iced tea. I don't like hot tea, but I like unsweet iced tea. But, but anyways, if you're going to make tea, you've got to brew it. In order to brew tea, you have to take hot water, and then you take your tea bag, and you, you steep it into the hot water. And what happens? You put it in there, and all of a sudden, as it gets into that hot water, the flavor of the tea begins to impact the water. And the, more, the longer it's in there, the more flavorful the water gets. The more you keep plunging it down and driving it in and pushing it in there, the more it impacts that water and influences that water. That, this is what meditation looks like. It's where we take a verse from Scripture and we begin to go over it and over it and we keep going over it. One of the words for meditation in Scripture means to murmur. It's where we, we speak the word. I, I grew up in, when I was a kid, this was a huge thing of emphasis in, in my home. My parents would, would have us find scriptures, and we would go over these scriptures, and we would speak these scriptures, and we'd have those scriptures written down on note cards and put up in different places in our home so that we could see the word, and we could speak the word, and we'd keep going over it. Why? Because there's, there, as we do that, the full flavor of the word begins to impact our life the way God wants it to. We've got to be these kind of people. So, so understand what this means. It means that you're probably not going to get it just the first time. There's, there's stuff there you've got to keep coming back to. You've got to keep digging into if you want to get what's really there. Joshua 1 verse 7 and 8 says this. It says, don't let this book of the law, talking about the Bible, depart from your, notice these words, your mouth. Listen, you've got to put the word into your mouth. You've got to speak the word. There's something powerful that takes place when you align your words with God's word. It's important. Meditate. There it is. Meditate on it day and night. There it is again. All the time. You need to be doing this on the regular so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Listen, some of you are struggling to do what the word of God says. You're struggling with sins. You're struggling with addiction. And one of the things you need to do is you need to find some verses that speak to the problem that you're dealing with and you need to start going over those so that you can get a revelation so that the flavor of that word can be impacted in your life where you need it. Can I get an amen? amen. Then you will be prosperous and successful. In other words, blessed. God wants to bless you through his word. So, so we got to get that, that, that faith for it. We get that faith by getting that revelation. There, there's, a, there's a rhema word for you, a personal word from God for you. It comes through getting in the Logos word of God, and you dig into the word of God by meditating on it. Dig into it. Go over it. Keep going over it. Okay, so let me get real practical as I kind of close this out. We're talking about these two important things. We got we to gotta act based on the word, and we got to have the right attitude towards the word. So let's talk about your attitude towards the word. Here's, here's something that you have to make up your mind on when it comes to the word of God. You have to accept the authority of God's word. You're going to have to make a decision in your mind. 
you're going to accept the Word of God for what it is. What is the Word of God to you? Is it a, is it a, interesting book full of some good information that we can apply in different places from time to time. Maybe not all of it's for us, but the parts I like, I'll, I'll make those a part of my life. Or is it the infallible, perfect, good word of God that was given as a gift to you? How do you really, how do you really see it? You say, well, Pastor Josh, I, you know, I, I hear what you're saying, but there's, there's so much about the word I just don't understand. And because I don't understand it. I just don't know if I can really just make that decision to just accept it like that. Well, listen, there's all sorts of stuff in my life I don't understand that I accept all the time. Like, I, I don't understand digestion. <laughs> but I eat food. I don't understand. I don't understand my iPhone. I don't. I don't know how that thing works at all. Like, if you, if you, if, if, a DeLorean that had the ability to take me back in time showed up in my, in my front yard and I got in that thing and it took me 100 years in the past, I don't know that I could make much of a difference impact, like impacting through technology. I, don't, I, I would just be going, man, you guys, there's this really cool thing they're going to have. It's got a screen and you can like touch it and, oh man, you guys would, you're probably going to be dead, but you love it. If you were alive, it'd be, it's going to be really cool. I, I couldn't do much. I was, in my, uh, I was in my parents' car this week. They have one of these really nice, like, bougie cars. And I was, I was pulling it into their, their, uh, their garage, and I had to back it up a little bit. And when I started backing up, you know how, like, cars, they have the backup cameras on them? Theirs has, like, a drone above it or something. It's crazy. Like, you can see, I was in the garage, and I can see above the car, like, looking down at the car, I can see... Their, their treadmill and like, that, how in the world did that work? I don't know, but I accept it. <laughs> it's nice. It was a nice feature. I don't, I don't get it all, but that's okay. You don't have to get everything in order to accept it. And I don't know about you, but I kind of find, I don't know, I kind of like the fact that I haven't completely figured out God yet. Because <laughs> if I completely figured out God, I don't know that that's the kind of God that I could really build my life on. I, I hope you know, like, I think sometimes we think, well, someday when we get to heaven, we'll have it all figured out. No, you won't. You're going to get to heaven, and you're going to spend eternity still figuring it out. And for eternity, you'll be unpacking layers of God that you had never understood. You will never fully unpack who God is. You're never going to. So if you think you're going to do that now, you're crazy. It ain't going to happen. But, but can I accept the word for what it is and even accept the things that maybe I don't always understand and just say, you know what, I don't get it all, but I trust it. And I believe what it says when it says that it's truth and everything else is a lie. And so I'm going to build my life on it. And I don't care what the world says. When the world doesn't agree with it, I'm going to trust in the word. Amen? But you've got to make that decision because if you won't go there, you're not going to receive of the blessing of the word of God. You're not, if you're not willing to just say, God, I'm going to trust you and I'm going to trust your word no matter what. We got to start there. What's the word to you? Is it what it says it is? Is it what it claims to be? It's a good and perfect gift from God. Amen. You ain't God. Like that, that whole idea of like, we get to pick and choose what verses we're going to accept. You know what that does? That makes you God. Yeah. That's, in fact, that's what, that's what Satan offered Eve. 
He said, you, you'll be able, like God, to know good and evil. He was saying, hey, you can, you can be your own God. You don't want to be your own God. You be a bad God, okay? So let's let God be God, amen? Here's the second thing. One is your attitude. Second thing is your actions, right? You have to work God's word into your life. You got to do it. You got to do it. You got you to be a doer of the word. That's what James is saying. You got to do this. It's not enough to read it. It's not enough to own it. You got to do what it says. Build your life in action based on what it says. That's the doing part. Okay, so let me give you these four R's that help us to, to do what the word of God says. This first one is going to blow your mind. Get ready. If you're going to get the blessing of the word of God, it's going to have to start here. You got to read the Bible. You got to read it. I, I, this week as I was studying for this and getting ready, I was kind of like, okay, I got to jazz this up, you know, really. But, you know, you just got to read it, people. Sometimes it's just, you just got to read the Bible. You got to, like, and, I, and, and I'll be honest with you, I'm, I'm a little concerned because people don't read the Bible anymore. They just don't read the Bible. Like, we want to, we got to read the Bible. <laughs> Now, so I'll give you a couple things. I, want, I would say this. You want to you read the Bible. One, you need a plan. You have to have a real plan. Like, a real, like, what's your quiet time look like? Do you have a plan for that? I would encourage you to have a physical Bible, like a paper Bible. Uh, because, you know, we, we've actually trained ourselves today through technology to be scatterbrained. We're talking about being scattered, right? We've got a scattered world. We're scatterbrained in our devices. And so what, what happens, whether you recognize it or not, is you pick up a device to study the word and your mind starts to go in all these different directions because you've trained it to do that. I gotta check my email, I gotta check my social media, I gotta do that. So you, you have a hard time connecting with God because you're, so get a paper Bible. Go find a Bible that works for you. Go get a translation that works for you in the word and, and, and begin to read it and study it and, and love it. Man, I love, I have, I have this Bible. I've had it since I was 18 years old. I got it my senior year of high school. And it's falling apart. Like the cover's falling off and there's pages missing. I need to get it rebound. It's, it's, it's a mess. It's got, it's got spills on it. I mean, all sorts of stuff has happened in this Bible. But it's my Bible. And I'll read that Bible and I've, I've written notes in it. I'll read a note that I wrote when I was 20 years old. And it'll still speak to me. And I'll be, I'll be taken back to that moment when God was showing me that stuff about David and how powerful that was in that season of my life. I'll read a note God showed me when I was 25 years old in the book of Romans, when I was struggling to overcome sins that were overcoming me. I'll read these notes, and they have life in them. I, I, you, you need a paper Bible. Get a paper Bible. I encourage you, go buy a paper Bible this week. If you can't afford a paper Bible, let me know. I'll buy you a Bible. But get in the Word. Read the Bible. Amen? Read the Bible. Here's the second R, is reflect. Reflect. James talks about how it's like a mirror, right? The Word of God is a mirror. And what happens when you look in a mirror? You look in a mirror and you see a reflection of yourself. How many of you are grateful for mirrors? I'm grateful for mirrors because sometimes things are off. Sometimes I got a sleep spot that needs taming. Sometimes I got something, you know, in my teeth, something in my nose, and then I need help. And I can look in the mirror and go, oh, okay. That, that's got to be dealt with, right? Sometimes it's also nice to have people in your life that'll help you with this. Somebody will go, hey, bro, you're a, you're fly. It's open. How many of you like that? That's good. 
somebody helps you with that. Like it, it's, it, listen, let me know, right? Me and Sarah have a deal. If there's something going on, we're going to let each other know. Because I don't want to get done with like a meeting and it's like we get in the car and she's like, man, you had a piece of pepper in your teeth the whole time we were meeting with that, that banker about the new building loan. And I'm going, what are you, what, huh? You got to let me know. So we got a deal. Like kick me under the table and let me know. We need people to let us know when stuff's off, amen? And that's, that's what the word can do. It can, it can help you with that. It's a mirror. And it can help you. And the Holy Spirit wants to come alongside it and say, hey, you know, you got a spot that you need to deal with. You got an area over here. There's something kind of ugly. You got to, you need to, you need to pick that. You got to, hey, that, zip that up. That needs, you're exposed. We need help. Somebody say, I need help. We need help. So reflect. This is where we go. We're reading the Bible and we say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying? What are you saying to me? Show me. And I, I, here's what's so great. The Holy Spirit is so sweet. He's so loving. He's not just going to beat you up. He's also going to say, hey, you look like Jesus. Because of the blood of Jesus, you look like Jesus. And God loves you and he's for you and he's got a plan for your life. So reflect. Let God speak to you. Here's the third R. Research. Research. James says, whoever looks intently will be blessed. Looks intently. You gotta, we, we have a saying around here in our, in our church. I hope that you've kind of captured this over the years. We're people who hunt in the word. We hunt. Why? Because hunters get meat. Hunters get meat. They get the big game. And we believe that in the Bible there is some meat to be taken in. There is some, some meat in there that can be sustenance to our life. But in order to find it, you got to hunt this is where the, the word goes from the logos to the rhema is when we hunt, we're willing to dig in and say, what's there? I'm going to go after this. I recognize there's something in this book for me. And so I'm going to dig deep and I'm going to find it. I'm going to, I'm going to keep, I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'm going to read commentaries. I'm going to study words. I'm going to, I'm going to dig deep because I, I want to know my God and what, what he's saying in a greater way, in a deeper way. We're going to hunt. A lot of people are just satisfied with being spoon fed. I don't really, I don't, I don't like reading the Bible, but I, I listen to podcasts. I love podcasts. Podcasts are good. I got one. Hope you're listening right now. Thank you. But, but you got to read the word. Because you know what? Someone who has to be spoon fed, what do we call them? A baby. Don't be a baby. Be a big boy and a big girl. Okay. Research, get in the word. And then here's the fourth one. Actually, God gave me this one this morning. We gotta react. We gotta react. You gotta do something. What's your reaction to what God is saying? My my dad had a has a saying. He's he's done this with me, he's done this with my brother-in-law, he's done this with different men in the church. My my son Gus, he's done this with all of us. He'll talk to us and he'll present some kind of truth to us. He'll have these heart-to-heart conversations with us from time to time. And at the end of it, he'll say this statement. He's famous for this statement. He says, "All right, what are you going to do now, bub? What are you going to do now, bub?" What he's saying is, "Hey, you got a truth. What are you going to do with it?" Because it's I can I can give you a truth, but what are you going to do with it? You can find truth in the Word of God, but what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with what the Word says about widows and orphans? What are you going to do with what the Word says about being generous? What are you going to do with what the Word says about being a servant? What are you going to do? You can know it, but if you don't do it, it ain't nothing for you. What's your reaction? That's James. What are you going to do with this? We've got to be a doer of the Word. If you want the blessing of the Word, 
You got to do it. You got to do it. Let me close with this. I want you to imagine a scenario with me. Imagine you're at home and you get a knock on your door. And normally, you know, in the day and age we're living in today, you get your doorbell rings or someone knocks on your door. What do we do? We run and hide. And, and then something happened. I remember when my kids were little, like the doorbell rings and everybody's like, freeze! But then you got that one little one that's like toddles out. And you're like, no, what are you doing? Oh, gosh. But imagine this is a different scenario, okay? And you actually go to the door to open it. <laughs> Why are we so terrified of people? I don't know. But you go to the door and you open it up and there's a guy standing there in a suit and he's got this big uh, set of papers in his hands. And he says, hey, I, I've got some great news for you. Um, there, there was this person, very powerful, very, very wealthy, and, and you're an heir to their fortune. And they have left you an inheritance. And it's found in these documents. And so if you'll, if you'll take this and begin to go through it, you can discover what is rightfully yours as an heir to this person. And so, man, you're like, dude, this is awesome. And they, they say, okay, bye. And they walk away. And you're, so you're now standing there with this big stack of papers. I don't know about you. I'm going to go inside. And I'm going to start going through the papers. And I'm going to go through the papers. And as I'm going through the papers, there may be some stuff in there that I see that I'm like, oh, man, this is, this is mine now. Look at this. This is awesome. But there's probably going to be some stuff that I don't quite understand because I'm not a lawyer. I don't understand everything in this document. There's some legalese I don't quite get. But I want you to know the stuff I don't understand, I'm not just going to go, well, I guess I can't enjoy it. No, no, no. If I know that there's like an extremely wealthy, impactful person that's left me a large inheritance, I'm going to dig deep. I'm going to figure out what I don't understand. I'm going to research it. I'm going to study. I'm going to invite some people in that maybe know a little bit more than me about some of this stuff so that they can interpret it to me because I don't want to leave behind an inheritance that rightfully belongs to me. Now, I hope you're connecting the two here. Listen, this book, this is a legal document that God has given to us, his people. And you, if you've made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, you're a part of the family of God. Jesus shed his blood so you could be a blood relative to God. And because of that, you have an inheritance and it's outlined in this book. And so there may be some stuff in here you go, man, I don't quite understand that, but I'm not going to give up on that. I'm not going to quit. I'm going to dig deep so I can discover the inheritance that's rightfully mine. I'm not leaving anything on the table, and I hope you're not either. But in order to get it, i got to get in it. i got to be willing to not just settle for, well, I don't get it, so I'll just quit on this. No, no, no. I'm going to dig deep because there are promises and truths and, and blessings that God has for me in this book that I want to experience. I hope that you see that today. Yes. Don't leave your inheritance unclaimed. Claim the truth. Claim the promises. Claim the freedom. Claim these things that God, through Jesus Christ, has made possible for you to have. It's all there for you. The Word of God wants to be a blessing in your life. But if it's going to be, you're going to have to have the right attitude. You're going to have to see it for what it is. It is the Word of God. It is living and powerful. It is a life-giving force. It is perfect. And it's for you. God's given it for you. And you need to have an attitude. And then you've got to move based on it. You have to do something with it. What are you going to do, bub? Would you bow your heads? Close your eyes. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, 
go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.